Hey, welcome to another exciting podcast from Freedom House Church. My name is Troy Maxwell. I'm the senior pastor of our church. We are one church that meets in multiple locations, which means we have different communicators at all of our different locations. Today, you'll be hearing an exciting message from one of our teaching teams. I know that it will bless you. You will walk away changed. So enjoy this message. Well, hey, my name's Troy Maxwell, and my wife and I, Stand Up Honey, are, are, are the senior pastors here, and uh, we are so glad that you decided to join us on a Saturday night. We love Saturday night church. Come on. Look at your neighbor. Say, you look extra skinny on Saturday night. Extra. Look at your other neighbor. Say, you look like you lost some weight, too. Come on. Everybody loves to hear that. Even if you're lying to them, they still like you to say it. It's really nice. Hey, real quick, before I get in this message, we do have a brand new series that we're starting next week. Everybody say next week. It's a unique thing that we're talking about. It's called anthropology, and the idea is we want to talk about why we do what we do, our connection with God. You know, I love what Paul said. Paul says, I, I, I do what I don't want to do, and I end up not doing what I really want to do. And how do, how, why is that? Why is it that we kind of default in a certain way? What is our behavior? How, how, do we, how do we baptize our relationships in the power of God and live those out? So I want to encourage you to come out and join us. It's going to be a four-week series that will take us through the month of September. And I promise you that it will change your life forever. I want to dive right into the text uh, tonight, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, love you to join along with us, you can take pictures of this, you can watch this, or you can get on your phone, your Bible, whatever, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, it says, to everything there is a season, everybody say everything, everything. I'm going to say it again, say everything. everything, everything, notice that everything has a season, everything has a season, it doesn't say some things, uh, it says everything, your life has a season, my life has a season, what you're going through right now is a season. We all are in the middle of a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. A time, a time. There's always a time for every purpose under heaven. Now, what that says to me right off the bat is that we have purpose in time in a season, that God's given each one of us a purpose, which means that that there is a specific time for your purpose to be revealed, lived out, and it is surrounded by a season. And then the writer of Ecclesiastes, who, by the way, was one of the great kings of Israel, his name was Solomon. Solomon had asked, I read it today, matter of fact, in my Bible reading in in 1 Kings, where Solomon was the third king. He was David's son. He took over the kingship of Israel. And he went to God and asked that he would get wisdom, and God gave him wisdom. This particular book of the Bible was written at the end of his life. It was a summation of what was going on in his life, and he kind of came back to God. Most theologians believe this is the time that he came back to God, and he realized some things, and he teaches this in the book of Ecclesiastes, specifically around the right season. So then he launches into the different times and seasons. He says there's a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to break down, and a time to build up, a time to weep. And a time to laugh, a time to mourn. Another way you could say it is, and a season to dance. A season to cast away stones. A a season to gather stones. A a season to embrace. A time to refrain from embracing. A time to gain, a time to lose, a time to keep, a time to throw away. A time to tear, a time to sow. A time to keep silence, a time to speak. Sometimes we need to shut up, sometimes we need to speak up. 
a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. He has made everything. Everybody say everything. everything. Notice this. He's, he kind of sums this whole thought up. He has made everything beautiful in its time. And then, then he says something unique about you and me. He says, also, he has put eternity in their hearts. In other words, for every one of us that are human beings, we have an internal clock that wakes us up to the fact of eternity. We, we understand this idea of living forever. We understand this. Now, we can fight against it and say it doesn't exist, but the truth is there's this internal thing that God put inside of us that's beautiful, that reveals eternity to us. He put eternity in our hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. God is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. What I want to do over the next few minutes that I have with you is I want to talk about the, se the season surrounding your miracle. The season that is surrounding your miracle. You know, we've been in this series called Crop Circles, and we've been talking about how your miracle is in motion. If you're kind of new to Freedom House Church, you can go to our YouTube channel, our online, check out all the different messages that we've been speaking over the last few months of summer. And we've been talking a lot about miracles, that God is a God of miracles, that he wants to do miracles in your life. But how many of you know that the destination of your miracle always has some challenges before it and some challenges after it? You know what I'm talking about. It's surrounded by a season. And I'm convinced that our ability or the lack thereof to navigate the seasons in our life can cause us to live an unintentional life. We, 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 we tend to wander around when we don't understand the season that we're in. We, we don't really know how we're going to enter. We want the miracle. Like we, we want the destination. We really want to see this in our life, but we don't know how to get there. We don't understand what's happening before that's preparing us for the miracle. Because sometimes, let's be honest, sometimes the miracle that you're wanting, what's more important than that is the miracle you're becoming. Let me say that one more time in case it just slipped right over your head. You were thinking about that weight comment a little while ago. Look, sometimes the miracle that you're wanting is overwhelmed by the miracle that you're becoming. Just, I know we want God to do something in our life, but the truth is God wants to do something in us more than he wants to do something for us. Now, let me just take a time out. That doesn't mean that God doesn't want to do something for you. Like, I know that you need to get out of debt. I know that your body needs to be healed. I know that you need a miracle in your marriage. I know that you need a financial breakthrough. I know that you need a new job. I know that you need a, your business to expand. I know all of those things are extremely important to God. But those are the results of who you're becoming. And in, and in understanding the season that surrounds your miracle, listen, you can expedite the miracle by understanding the season. You, you can, you can redeem. That's what the Bible says when, when God says he redeems the time. Really, he can't, he's not going to change time for you. What he's going to do is he's going to speed up you in the middle of time. It's kind of cool to think about, isn't it? Like he does something in you that's different, that's more exciting. And he set all this in motion back in the book of Genesis. Look at Genesis 8, 22. It says, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest. Seed, time, and harvest. This is, this is the, the motion of our lives. This is, this is how it works. There's seed, the promise. There's time in our heart. 
The promise is always deposited in our heart. In actuality, our heart determines how long the seasons are. So God takes this promise, whatever that promise is for you. Some of you grabbed hold of a promise. That promise is deposited in our heart. That heart, our heart kind of massages it. It, it, it exfoliates the promise. It, it pulls it apart. It, it kind of messes with it a little bit. It kind of, you know, gets all in the promise and we understand it. Well, really, it's working on us. And then we experience the harvest. We love to drop a seed and then immediately get a harvest. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't it be awesome? I don't like tomatoes, but I know some of you do. Wouldn't it be great just to drop a tomato seed in the, in the ground this afternoon, go in the house, come right back out, and bam, there's a harvest right there. You got some maters. Or drop some corn seed or avocado seed. Just drop an apple seed right in the ground and just walk, turn around and turn back and bam. But you know, it doesn't happen like that. Does it? Matter of fact, we get kind of frustrated. You ever planted something when you were a kid and dug it up before it even came out? You thought you did something wrong? But what we didn't realize is that seed needed to go through seasons in order for it to come up. There had to be, there had to be something that happened to the, to the ground, to the, to the, the soil, the had, had some stuff had to go, go around that in order for it to be fixed. And so, so, so God set this thing in motion. Let me, let, let me tell you some things about seasons. For, first of all, seasons are appointed times that God sets and leads us into. God sets the seasons for us. I know, I know what you're thinking, and, and I've thought this before, that there, I, I am, this season I'm in is the consequence of what I did. No, God sets the seasons. We can interrupt the season by how we process it, which I'll talk about in a minute. But God is the one who sets the times that, and the seasons, and he leads us into and out of those seasons. Now, let me just go just a little bit deeper real quick. All right, hang with me for one second. There are two words in the Greek language that describe God's timetable. Understand something about God. God exists outside of time. Okay, he doesn't see, he, he doesn't, he's not inside of our table. Like, this is where we get frustrated because God made time for you and me. He, he set it in motion. See time and harvest. See time and harvest. See time and harvest. And so, so he set this time. And then he stepped away from it. He's not confined by it. And so what that means is we say a prayer and we think God has to answer that prayer within a specific amount of time but see god doesn't see your prayer in the framework of time he sees the beginning and the end of it and everything that's around it and so when you pray a prayer god already knew that prayer because he knew you before you were born now this will mess you up because you have choice but there's some way that god knows how to orchestrate things and fix things around your your choice and so he knew you before you were born he knew that when you were 36, you were going to need to pray your way through this marriage. And so he knew you would pray that prayer even before you were born. So he plucked you, put you in that season of your life, and he understands it. And so in the Greek language, there's, there's two words that describe time or seasons. It's the Greek word chronos, where we get chronology, chronological, and the Greek word kairos. Everybody say chronos, kairos. Come on, say it one more time. Kronos, 
Kairos. Kronos is 8, 9, 10, 11 o'clock. It's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It's January 31st, uh, February 1st. That's Kronos. Kairos is bam, God does something right in the moment. We, 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 that's right, that's what we want. Kairos is the set aside moment that God intervenes your life. That's why Jesus told the disciples when they were asking him, are you going to restore the kingdom? He goes, it's not, no, it's, not, it's not good for you to know the chronos and the kairos, the times and the seasons. You, you don't understand that. You're thinking way off. My God, the Father is thinking outside of time. So understand, God is the one that appoints your time. Now, you can speed that up. Or you can slow that down. That's up to you. It's not up to God because he's not in your time. Are you with me? Okay, that was for the theologians. All right, let's go to the next thing here. So here's what happened to Jesus. So we understand that God's the one that did this. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, what was he filled with? The Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into a season, the wilderness. So Jesus... Uh, we don't know a lot about Jesus from age 1 all the way up to about 12, and then his parents lose him. Come on, somebody call DSS. <laughs> Why are you losing Jesus? Where'd he go? How'd you lose God? I mean, how do you do that stuff? Anybody ever lost a kid? Come on, you go to jail if you lose a kid these days. How many of y'all want to lose your kid? No, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> they lost him. That was the only real 12. I don't know if God just put that in the Bible so us parents would understand that Joseph and Mary were real people. But then we don't see him again until he's 30 years old. Are you following me? So 30 years old, he shows up, and he meets John the Baptist. He comes on the scene of John the Baptist, and John the Baptist is baptizing people. And Jesus says, I want you to baptize me. And John says, no, 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 I don't want you. You can't. I should be getting baptized by you. And so he baptizes him. He comes up out of the water. And then right after that, so... So Jesus is starting his ministry. He is entering into his mission. Another way to say it is he is entering his miracle. He's entering his destination. What he's supposed to do. But right before it, he has to go through a season. And who led him there? Holy Spirit. God did. God did. If you're going through a tough season right now, listen, God is just preparing you for the miracle. And so he leads him to the wilderness. For 40 days. Hello? 40 days. That's a month plus 10. That's a lot of days. And we know what happened. He was tempted by the devil. Why? He's God in the flesh. The reason why is because God had, he had to go through that in order for him to embrace who he was going to be as the son of God. And so, so, so seasons, understand, they don't, they don't follow the natural order. And I'm going to talk about these because I'm going to use the, the way we see seasons. And in, in Charlotte, you know, we've got spring, we've got summer, we've got fall, we've got winter. That's why we live here because we love the different seasons. That's why many of you went to Florida and then you came back halfway because you were like, it's too hot down there. I, you know, I'm, I, that's hell hot down there. I don't want to go down there. I'm going to come on back up to, to real time like Jesus land, Charlotte. Because we all know Jesus is coming back to Charlotte first. That's why we live here. Amen. I don't know what you're all laughing about. That's just, 
All right. So they don't follow the natural order. So it's, it, sometimes it, it's not spring, summer, fall, winter every time. Sometimes it can go spring, winter, fall, winter, fall, 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 winter, 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 spring, hallelujah, summer. You know what I'm saying? So it just goes over. It, 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 it changes. And then he, here's a big thing. Making the right decisions in the spiritual seasons makes the good seasons last longer and the bad seasons last shorter. So I got to make sure that I got to make the right decisions. In order for me to make the right decisions, I got to know what season I'm in. Because there is a season that's surrounding your destination, your miracle. So here's what Paul said to Timothy. He said, preach the word, be ready. One translation says, be instant, meaning be on your post. Be ready. Be prepared. In season, good times. And out of season, bad times. Because they're all going to face us. Don't don't let anybody lie to you and say, when you become a Christian, that it's all going to be good. How many Christians know that ain't true? Come on, raise your hand. How many Christians know? Some of you are like, I thought so, but man, this has been like the worst three months of my life. Well, be ready. Be ready. Be instant. Be prepared. Be on your post. Every season is meant to prepare you for the next. And here's the deal. Here's what I've learned about seasons. Every every season has a lesson. The sooner that I learn the lesson, the faster I can get through the season. Right? The sooner I learn the lesson. If I ignore the lesson... If I dodge the lesson, then, and, and let me tell you, your season will follow you. You can't run from your season. I'm going to move to so-and-so. Well, when you get there, guess what's going to be first thing to open your door when you open that door? Hello. There's spring sitting right there the whole time. Every time you, you can't run from it. Even if you dump him, when you meet him again... Your season will be manifested through that same relationship because he's not going to fix you. She's not going to fix you. The lesson that we need to learn in the season is what's going to fix us. Hello. Look at your neighbor. Say, this is good preaching tonight. I'm glad I came to Friends and Family Takeover. FFT. Hashtag FFT. Every season is meant to prepare you for the next. So lessons like being stronger, endurance, lessons on perseverance and how how to be persistent, growth lessons, maturity lessons, faith lessons, faith lessons. Now, let me just tell you something about faith lessons. If you ever say, God, increase my faith, watch out. Watch out. You know why? Because whenever you pray a prayer like that, get ready for some trials. Get ready to go through something. It's like patience. You ever pray for patience? Don't pray for patience unless you want to end up in situations where you're going to have to exercise some patience. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that you shouldn't pray. We shouldn't pray for more faith. I mean, the, the disciples asked Jesus, give us more faith. The next thing you know, they're in a storm. And what did he say to them? Oh, ye of little faith. You should have been able to handle this. Why are you waking me up? You know, we woke him up. He's trying to take a nap. Jesus is trying to take a nap. How many of you know there's nothing worse than being woke up in the middle of a nap? How many of y'all like to nap? Raise your hand if you like to nap. Come on, that's Jesus right there. If Jesus napped, 
Why shouldn't us? My wife was giving me a hard time about napping the other day. And I just reminded me that Jesus took a nap. I'm being more like Jesus when I lay down for three hours. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> Trust lessons. Trust lessons. Seasons are meant to draw God's purpose out of us in the middle of our life, in, in this time, this, this chronos, so we can discover the kairos. So, so let's ask the question, what season am I in? Good question. I want to know what season I'm in. So let's go through and let's look. I'm going to give you four seasons. You know these, but I want to kind of share some things that, that I think will help you determine where you are in your life. Now, here's the thing about seasons I'm, I've, I've learned is that, that you can be in one season in one part of your life and in another season in another part of your life. You can be in multiple, and, and, and it can cause you to be a little seasonal schizophrenic because you don't know how to navigate them. But hopefully after today, you'll be able to walk through the seasons that you're going through and see what's going on through the eyes of heaven. And so the first uh, is spring. I like spring. It, it, re it represents newness, freshness, growth. There's revival in the air. There's excitement, blooming, anticipation, new growth, beauty. We get a new thought, a new revelation, new ideas. New steps. It's all about the new. Joy, happiness. When rain comes, we're like, yes, I'm glad it's raining because I know it's going to produce the, the new that's coming. But it's easy to get lazy in spring. Easy. Spring is the best time to plant. So if you're in a spring season, you need to be sowing some seed. And that's, if you feel like there's newness and and new relationships, and new ideas, and new partnerships, and maybe a new job, and, and you kind of feel that newness. You, may, you know, it's like, when you, it's like the smell of a new car. You ever get a new car? I don't know what it is about that new car smell. It goes away after a pack of cigarettes, but, but the first... I'm joking. <laughs> Where did that come from? Somebody, somebody God was speaking to one of y'all tonight. <laughs> that was pretty funny. What's the lesson that we need to learn in spring? It's to appreciate the new. To appreciate it. There's a story of David, King David, and he got in trouble because he got a little lazy in spring. The Bible says that he was up on the top of his house. You know the story. And he, he looks over to another house, and there was a girl taking a bath. First thing he should have done, ah, and ran downstairs. But the Bible starts, it says, in the spring of the year when the kings go out to war, when they go out to battle. What, he should have been in battle, but he was lazy, stayed home, and got into sin. So be careful in spring. Second season is summer. Summer, it's warm, it's relaxed. Summer is the time to enjoy a plateau because we need plateaus. Plateaus are opportunities to refresh. It's hot in the summer. There's lots of storms in the summer. Storms only make you stronger. So summers are sometimes full of storms, but they make us stronger. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went through a summer. They were thrown into a fiery furnace. 
But in the middle of the fiery furnace, they didn't curse the furnace, nor did they curse the king. They praised God in the middle of it. And the Bible says the king saw inside of the furnace and there was a fourth man that was walking around who was like the son of God. In other words, it's our time not, not, to, not to get tired and rest less, but, but to rest and step into the things that God has for us. Weeds can grow during the summertime. The lesson of summer is focus. Focus. Because there's lots of distractions during the summertime. Here's, here's another one. It's fall. Fall is fatigue. It's, it's a falling away. There's a lot of movement in fall. Fall is a lot of change. You're going through a lot of changes. Uncertainty in fall. Like the leaves that are falling off the tree, you have to leave some things behind. We don't like fall because fall oftentimes represents transitions in our life where we got to walk away from some people. Hello. We got to walk away from some things. You might, you, you might think, oh, I lost my job when God has really transitioned you into a better job. So you say, oh, my gosh, I lost my job. And then three weeks later, you realize, oh, my gosh, I got a better job making more money. I was so distraught during that time when you were really just in a fall. Transition. Loss happens, good and bad. The lesson of fall is to understand change. Change is good. And then the last season is winter. And I'm going to spend some time on winter because I think winter is the toughest one to deal with. Because in winter, you feel confined. You feel stuck. You can't move. There's lack of movement. Your vision is challenged. Your mission is challenged during winter time. There's restriction. The land is in preparation, but you're restless because you want something to happen. The wilderness, wilderness in the Bible is equivalent to winter. So when you're reading through the Bible and it talks about wilderness times, it's talking about winter. Israel spent 40 years in winter. Wilderness. They spent 40 years. 11-day journey ended up being 40 years long because they, they couldn't endure. See, the, the lesson of winter is endurance. And it can be the most difficult season you can go through. And so the reason I wanted to talk about winter is because it's something that my wife and I have been through over the last six to eight months. We've been through a season of winter where our vision was challenged. We were challenged. There was a lot going on. We felt restless. We were like, man, we feel, we feel confined. But I learned some things that there is the, there's some beauty in winter. Some things happen to us in winter that are very important to recognize. So I want to finish just by giving you three things that will help you understand and navigate your winter and, and deal with it so you can realize that God's doing some real good things during winter. Here's, here's the first thing that happens in winter. winter. Winter kills the bugs of the past. Kills the bugs of the past. I was, I was listening to a friend of mine preach, uh, got Pastor Jimmy, and he was talking about winter. And he went up to a farmer. He lives in Texas. And he went up to this farmer and he tapped him on the shoulder and he said, man, this has been a great winter, hasn't it? Because it was a mild winter. They didn't have any really cold temperatures, not a lot of snow, not a lot of cold temperatures. And so he tapped them on the shoulder, tapped the farmer on the shoulder and said, said hey, this has been a great winter. And the farmer turned around in disgust. He goes, this is a terrible winter. Horrible. Horrible. Because the farmer knew that in order to experience the great spring, they had to kill some bugs. And the colder the winter... The deeper the cold got into the ground to kill the larva, 
of the bugs. Because follow me here. Follow me. Bugs follow fruitfulness. Bugs follow fruitfulness. We all want to be fruitful in life. We want a harvest. But if we don't have a winter before a harvest, then we're going to have a lot of bugs chasing after our fruit. And you've got to give God permission to produce fruit. You have to give him permission. It's just not going to happen. Pow! You're not going to just make fruit. You have to, you have to ask God. So what does that mean? He says, every branch in me that bears fruit, I prune. Winter is the spiritual season of pruning that we need to go through in order to produce the harvest that you're desiring in your life. Come on, this is good stuff right here. So what are bugs? Bugs are the things inside of me that can kill the fruit that I'm desiring in my life. Bugs like like laziness. Bugs like unforgiveness. Bugs like anger. Uh Uh-oh. Come on, that's the Sunday morning crowd. That's not y'all. Y'all nice and sweet and everything. Bugs like prayerlessness, marriage problems, pride, bitterness, offense. Those are bugs. And they will eat your fruit if you don't allow winter to kill them off. Winter has to kill those bugs. And it takes humility on our part. That's why Paul, that's why Peter said this in 1 Peter 5. He said, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. If he's going to give us grace. When we're humble and say, okay, God, I know I'm in the middle of a winter. What do I need to work on in me? Yeah. Did I quit praying? I got a little successful there. Some things happened. What was my discernment level? Did it drop some? Am, am I, is there some things happening with me that, am I getting a little prideful, thinking that I'm all that in a bag of chips? My business is doing good, and everything's going good, and I'm like, yeah, it's because of me. Amen. Not realizing it's not because of you, it's because of God's grace on our life. So winter kills those bugs. Here, here's another one, is that winter distinguishes between perennials and annuals. Now, I didn't know what this meant. Until a few years ago when my wife taught me the difference between perennials and annuals. Annuals are flowers that you plant every year. That's why they call them annuals. I'm like, that. that's just so smart. Annual. Perennials are plants that die, but because of the root system... They come back the next year. Annuals look a lot prettier than perennials, but perennials are a lot stronger than annuals. So winter gets rid of what looks pretty because we tend towards what looks good instead of what what is strong in our life. We tend towards the things that we like. We tend towards, as if you're a leader, you tend towards talent. And overlook character. You tend, you tend towards things that, that look pretty. And so, so what a lot of farmers will do when, when they're doing gardens is they'll plant perennials around the outside because they want the strength on the outside. So what winter does is it helps you distinguish the, the people in your life that should be there and shouldn't be there. The annuals. 
Winter reveals loyalty. Because, because it, it, the future is uncertain. And you want people that are going to be loyal to you regardless of the uncertainty of the future. Winter reveals faithfulness. Not everyone stays with you during uncertain times. It reveals faithfulness. So, so winter lets you know who's really by you, who's really for you, who's really with you, who's never going to leave you. But we tend towards things that look good. We like being around that person, but they're not right for you. They're just an annual. Come on, some of y'all are in relationships with annuals, and you need to get rid of them. That's why you're in the middle of a winter. God's trying to remove them from your life to bring someone in stronger. They may not look as good, and I'm not using that in the sense of outside looking. I'm just talking about they may not look as good, but they're going to be there, man. They're going to stick with you. Let, let me tell you what, what well, you know what winter does? Winter reveals people's motivation and intentionality in your life. That's what it reveals. It reveals in you. And so you got to make sure that we, we understand. And here's the last thing. Here's the last thing is winter causes us to expand our wardrobe. Doesn't it? you got to put on some heavier coats. You know, today we experienced a little, little chilliness when you woke up this morning. It was nice. But I got a coat on today. Some of y'all got some long johns on, you know, y'all. There's two. God, God gives us. Two types of clothing that, we, clothing that we have to continually add to our wardrobe. One is for the enemy, and one is for the inner me. One, he tells us in Ephesians chapter 6, he says, put on, here's what he says. He says, put on the full armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the devil's schemes. you got to put it on. You can't leave it in the closet. Winter causes you to go to the closet and put on some, some armor. Yeah. Breastplate of righteousness. Yeah. I know who I am in Christ. Yeah. I got my shoes of peace on. Because I follow a peace that passes all under. I don't understand it. But I got peace that passes all understanding. I got my shoes of peace on. I got my belt of truth. That means I'm just never going to compromise. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to hold myself up. With the uncompromising truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I got the shield of faith. To quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And I got the sword of the spirit. You got to put that stuff on. You got to. Some of us, we've let it lay down. On the side. I can't put it on for you. You're an adult. I'm not supposed to be dressing you. Even as your pastor, you say, well, hold on. No, no. My job is to let you know the equipment's there. That's my job. Hey, I'm the, I'm the one that points out the closet. Hey, here's some good clothes for you. You're facing an enemy. You're facing some problems, going through some challenges. Look, there's the closet. It's your closet set for you. And then, and then the Bible says in Isaiah 61, it says to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness so not only are we to put on this armor to fight the enemy we're also to put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness you know there's a big difference between whining and worship big difference you know God doesn't listen to whining 
but he listens to worship. I want you to stand with me tonight. I want to just pray for you. What season are you in? What season are you going through? Are you in spring right now? Fresh, new. Don't get lazy. Don't find yourself on the top of a housetop. Falling into sin, getting yourself in trouble. Are you in the middle of, 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 of summer? It's hot. Plateaued. Look, this is the time to really dig into the things of God. Maybe you're going through fall. Some of you may be in the middle of fall where things are falling off. Transition is happening. New relationships are... Maybe some of you, which I think a lot of us are, we feel like we're going through a winter. What I love about God is he tells us we can put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Here's his promise to us. No matter what season we're going through, if we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. Would you close your eyes if you could? And maybe that's the step that you need to take in this place today. Maybe you need to draw near to God, whatever that means for you. Maybe you're new to the church you're new to the things of God and you've never taken that step that first step of faith let me tell you something God always meets those who act in faith faith he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him the Bible says that that is faith that draws us in to God if you're here and maybe you've never taken that first step of faith Look, I know the season seems really tough. Maybe I've shed, maybe we've shed some light on what you're dealing with. But I'm going to tell you, Jesus can meet you in any season that you're in. His desire is to connect with you in any season that you're in. Any time that you're going through. His desire is to change your life. He wants to come closer to you. Or maybe you knew God at a time in your life. But let's just be honest. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Just be honest. You know you're not right with Him. You know that that your life is not pleasing to God. If you've been in a spring and the new things have kind of distracted you, or summer has, the storms have pulled you away, fall, the transitions have hurt you, or maybe in winter you feel like that everything around you is dying. Let me tell you, Jesus is here to save you, rescue you. His desire is to come and live with you and be a part of every decision that you make. So I want to pray with those two people. If you're here and you're ready to take that first step of faith, or or maybe you need to kind of collect your feet and take that next step of faith. I want to pray with you today. So I'm going to count to three. And when I get to three, I want you to raise your hand. Don't hesitate. Don't wait. Don't say you'll do it next week. No, you need to do it tonight. Tonight's your night to give your life to God. For the first time, or for the hundredth first time. Let's just make that decision tonight. Let's just take that step. Ready? One, two, three. Raise your hand if you say that's me. Just come on, lift it up high so I can see it. I want to know who I'm praying for. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hands all over the room. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you raised your hand, you wanted to raise your hand. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. And so I'm going to ask the whole church to join together as we make this declaration, this confession of our faith. Come on, let's join them as they make this confession. I'm so proud of you for raising your hand. I know it's never easy. I'm so proud of you for doing this. So proud that you decided to take a step towards God. Let me tell you, He will meet you right where you are. Just say this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe that His blood washes me 
of all my sins and all my mistakes. Today, I start a life-changing relationship with God. I will serve you and I will worship you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.